Today's podcast, I had a plan to talk about a bunch of different things, and then Luka Doncic changed that plan. The first ever 60-21-10 triple-double overtime win for the Mavs. So we're going to praise Luka, and then, of course, classic me, I'm going to ask what it means. And I'm going to talk about the Nets, because I actually think that story may mean more that is significant to the rest of the projection of the playoffs. Uh, Sarah Walsh is going to talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks, good friend, former neighbor. And we'll get a little boating talk in there as well. And then some feedback stuff along with life advice. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. I had a few plans on how I wanted to do the podcast today, and then Luca ruined all of them. 60 points, 21 boards, 10 assists, and a win in overtime against the Knicks last night. So, Luca, <laughs> um, you know, I've talked about this in the past, like what you're supposed to do with him or what you are going to try to do with him. And I've talked about body type matchups. Like the only chance you have is somebody that's bigger and quicker and probably doesn't really exist on many teams if in the league in general. And so the Knicks don't really have that guy. Their guards are smaller. If the guy's smaller, you have no chance. So they tried a few different things. And obviously it leads to switching and all the different isolations that the Mavs are going to run. Um, they tried Randall possessions, hit step backs on him. Grimes went right at him too small. Um, if it was wood on the screen and wood was the role man, Mitchell's kind of caught in between. And one point he stayed hard with wood and Luca just went right to the rim. So then you could see like later on, uh, it was almost like they were telling Mitchell, try to stay with Luca longer. And there was another play where Grimes fought over the screen, stayed with Luca. Luca drives right. Mitchell comes over to contest. Then Luca's like, whatever. I'm just going to do this underhand scoop shot off of one leg. It was, it was stupid. And then Dallas is down three. Luca's coming down. The Knicks, the right play. Foul him. Hits the first free throw. Missed the second one on purpose. And somehow, because all the great ones do, end up with the basketball back in their hands when it matters, ties it up. So. When I watch him, as all of you have, I, I'm constantly left with what are you supposed to do with him defensively? He is the easiest scorer in the NBA. It is so easy for him. And yes, there are other great scorers, but you know sometimes it's just the shooting prowess where you'll see Steph hit these shots and you're like, okay, this is insane. Um, Durant, Giannis, it's power. 
Embiid, it's power, skill. You know, Embiid really is this power, skill, touch combination that we've never seen before. And we consistently have nights in this league where every night you're like, I just have never seen anything like this before. Like, can you imagine Jordan Poole in the 80s? I'm serious with this stuff. And that's why I got so pissed over the years with the old timers who I still think they are unfairly judged because you can only be judged against the period that you're in. But the evolution of man would, like I had that joke for a while, being like, NBA players are the only guys not evolving. <laughs> like everybody else is getting faster, stronger, bigger, and all these things. And guys are pushing the limits in all these different sports. But like, nope, but basketball, as Oscar Robertson one time came on with me, and I'm not trying to, look, big O, I'm not. He was like, just pick Steph up full court. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. All these coaches are just fucking idiots. And then you have Luca, who's this big. And if you played basketball, understands angles and knows how to put his body into you and then has the touch and the vision, it feels impossible. If you trap him, especially if you trap him consecutively, it's over. He's going to figure out how you're trapping. He's going to bring you to one side, then swing it back the other way, and then it's a four-on-three with not the greatest supporting cast because then that becomes another Luka discussion where you think, what's the best way to do it? And I think Dallas has probably done the best thing. Well, I shouldn't say the best that they could do, but by design, it's length, guys that can test shots, guys that are switchable defensively and can provide enough spacing for shooting. Because if you had another ball-dominant player, would it always work out? But I think that's what was really great about how Brunson fit into their offense because Brunson could kind of have his own possessions. And then if there was all this defensive uh, attention to Luka, he could swing it over to Jalen Brunson. And Brunson was just really good as a small player, too. Brunson is incredible at driving and finding an opening in this. Um, if you help off the roll man, he's going to lob it. If you help off the shooters, he's going to find him. Some of the Luca passes to the corners, I think, can be a tad overrated on social media where it's like, how did he know that? And it's like, well, they know it because they know what their system is and everybody understands where everybody is supposed to be positioned. But then he'll do something where you're like, okay, and I, look, I'm not trying to say that Luca doesn't make amazing passes. He does. But I think there are times where we'll see these absurd passes to corners from a lot of great players in the NBA and people will act as if like, how did he even see that? It's like, well, that's kind of how the spacing alignment is. Like, just watch. Guys run to the corners to provide spacing in ways that we didn't have uh, in basketball that we were watching when we were growing up. If you don't help off the shooters, he's going to go one-on-one and he's too big. I mean, it's it's maddening to try to defend Luka and know that in his head, he's like, okay, you're not going to double me this time. Or, okay, you're not helping off the shooters. All right. My big may not even set it. He may slip the screen. Or my big, at times when they had Przingis or Woods playing on the perimeter, it's like I'm going to bring their big away because they have to respect the shooting here. So it's like, what are you going to do? And then Luca's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to kind of dribble down here. I'm going to be a foot away from the hoop. I'm going to stop. You guys are all going to spaz out. And then I'm just going to make a shot. Sorry. Uh it, it, I imagine it's a lot like with a quarterback. Like a great quarterback, you can't say, okay, we're going to press coverage all the guys on the outside. Okay, we're going to pass everybody off in a zone. All right, we're going to constantly pressure him all day long. You have to do all of those things, and you have to do it at different times and hope you do it at different times enough that he's somehow guessing. But with basketball, it's not a football play. Football play, the ball snapped, and then it is what it is. Basketball, you can kind of see what it is, then you can bring it back out and kind of start all over again in the possession. So it's even harder as you're trying to mix up whatever coverages you think that you're going to design to stop this guy. Uh, 
I've constantly said it has to be some kind of body match because, you know, Mikel Bridges, a great defensive player. We saw last year in the playoffs, he's just going along for the ride. He's too small for him. And everybody's too small for him. So it's a not, it's not a knock on him. And you're watching the Lakers game. Like, who's their guy? You know, it's supposed to be, but LeBron's not going to defend Luke anymore. He's just not going to do that. Um, Pat Beverly swiping at him and trying to annoy him for two hours isn't going to work either. So it's almost like it has to be somebody who's big enough to contest passing lanes and shots quick enough so that he can actually stay in front of him. Probably the most important thing, competitive enough to want to do it all game long. Playoffs different in a reg- than a regular season game, clearly. But like, I feel like I'm describing Giannis, but Giannis wouldn't defend him in a regular season game. Maybe December Ben Simmons, who we're going to get to here in a little bit, but he would have to be. You would have to have the mindset. Give me prime athleticism, Pat Beverly. In, <laughs> I don't know, Aaron Williams' body. I don't know that the guy really exists. I don't know that there's a ton of guys out there. So, you know, when I think back to like what he did against Golden State, I mean, maybe it's Draymond, but he still had 32, 9, and 6, 42%, 34 from three in five games against the Warriors where they had no chance. Sneaky Kavon Looney actually held up really well when it looked like Dallas thought, oh, we've got this switch on a big. Okay, they switched it. Well, I'm just going to attack him. He actually held up pretty well. I don't know that anybody else would be going, we need Kavon Looney to stop Luka Doncic over the course of a full playoff series. Going back to the first Clippers playoff series, 31, 10, and 9, 50, and 36 from the floor. Then the next year, he did even better, 36, 8, and 10, 49, 41% against the Clippers in those back-to-back playoff series. And then he gets to a Western Conference Finals. The problem with me, the problem with me, and why I'm going to feel guilty right now, is that this happens, and maybe it's because of my job. Maybe I just suck. Because I feel like it was different when I was younger. If somebody did this, which nobody's ever done before, by the way, you would just talk about it. You'd want to watch every highlight on SportsCenter. You'd watch SportsCenter over and over and over again. And then you would talk about it with your buddies. You would talk about it with people at work. You would just be like, this is crazy. It almost was more mythological because not everybody had league pass. Like we had highlights and all that kind of stuff. But like at any moment, I can go, okay, I'm going to check back in because this Knicks-Mavs game is close. And however my league pass rotation was going last night, I was like, okay, I'm back on this game. And then you're just sitting there laughing. But I think the part that I don't like about what I do is that then I'm thinking, okay, how would I talk about this? And what would be new and what would be interesting? Because I can't help myself. This is where I'm a dick. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. We know what he is. He's, I still would take Giannis. I think Durant is making a case to be rem- remembered as, as somebody in the conversation for the best player. Because then when something like this happens, this is kind of the point. When something like this happens, then it feels like the sports media community, the basketball community specific to this, is forced. We feel like we we have no choice but to make it out to be something that it probably isn't other than one night of one of the greatest players in the league right now. Because they're a six seed. They were a seventh seed going into last night after the Sacramento loss. They're, what, four games out of first? It's all clogged up in the West. They're also two and a half games out of being 11th. They were 15 and 16 last week. And that's where I'll always land with this because I'll, I'll watch 
I'll go, this is amazing. I have all these awesome things to say, but I can't help myself from going, yeah, okay. Now what's going to happen? And not like, oh, he's some loser. Oh, this, he's incapable of doing all these things. You know how I feel about like the heliocentric guys in the playoffs, the success. Uh, historically, the success rate is, is bad. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that I'm not supposed to do any of those things after last night's because I kind of don't want to. I actually feel guilty about it, but I can't help myself because then when I see all the other commentary about like, man, nobody'd want to play them in the playoffs, I'm like, I don't know. I'd rather play them than a healthy Golden State. I'd rather play them than Phoenix, Memphis, healthy Clippers, Denver. Yeah. Like, I think all of those things are fair, but maybe now's not the time because the MVP thing started happening. Like, I couldn't look. If Kendrick Perkins is going to say that it's Luca by a mile now, then I would push back. I would say, I don't think that's accurate. I think he's insane. But the MVP race is stacked, just like the tops of both conferences. So a night we've never seen before, and then an ending of this segment that I can't help myself from. This episode of the Ryan Rosillo Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. All right, football fans, the good neighbors over at State Farm wanted me to let you know that you really don't have to get all that personal to get the personal price plan. Seriously, there's no need to tell anyone that you make custom DJ remixes of your team's fight song or that you memorize the choreography to every dance routine of your team's cheerleading squad. I had a friend, D1 athlete, actually one of my roommates, and his tradition was never having any traditions. He didn't know where his stuff was ever. He'd have to borrow a stick before a game. Um, the equipment manager was like, where are your gloves? And he'd be like, I don't know. Can I borrow some? The guy was simply about getting out on the ice and skating and getting pucks in deep. That's all I cared about. And I realized his mind is so empty of thoughts. It wasn't because he was scatterbrained. It's just he never thought about anything, ever. We used to have semi-formals back then in the 90s where guys would put on a tie with chinos and he would just take his off after the thing was done with tie in collar, undo it, take it off, throw it in the corner, and then you know the next time the softball team had a semi-formal, he just put the uniform right back on. Think how efficient that is. There you go. That's right. The State Farm Personal Price Plan simply helps you create an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Now let's talk about a team everyone loves. The Brooklyn Nets. They're 22-12. and 12. They're a three seed this morning. Two and a half games behind Boston. Half game behind Milwaukee. They beat Cleveland on Monday, and I know it's two days removed, but I have to talk about this game and how incredibly impressed I was. Now, the Nets have been on a roll here. This is a new. They were 9-11 and 11 at one point. Now they're 21-12, so that's 13-1. and one. I looked at their overall numbers. They're fifth in offense, 12th in defense. But if you go from the start of this 14-game stretch, uh, which started uh, 11-27, I believe, the number one offense, number 10 defense, and their net rating is a monster number at plus 8.2. It's a big number. KD's not ahead of Luka in the MVP conversation, but I think based on his play and us being so spoiled and accustomed to it that he needs to be back in it. And I know I make fun of that, but it's true. He's on the list. He is totally in control of what is happening around him. He doesn't 
lead the league in double teams, but it feels like the effort on some of these double teams where a team for an entire night will be like, this is what we're doing on every Durant catch. We are selling out against it. But now the other guys are starting to play so well, I wonder if there's going to be some kind of adjustment because right now we're looking at the best offense in the league. He dominates without having to dominate the basketball. That is the greatest thing. Like when, when he goes into the Hall of Fame and people are talking about like what his game was with the Rand, it's like, you know what? There's a lot of guys that put up numbers, but I don't know that anybody has ever done it. I think Steph is obviously in this conversation as well. LeBron, I mean, we're talking about the, the, the all-timers here, guys that are going to be finishing in their top 20. I'm not talking about LeBron specifically in this one, but Steph, KD, maybe top 15 all-time, maybe top 12. I mean, we're talking serious, serious stuff here. But KD, like nobody around him really has to sacrifice much because he just wants to go out there and ball. He's sixth in scoring, but when you look at everybody else around him in that points per game list, he's taking less shots than the rest of those guys. I mean, it's not dramatically less, but he's still taking less shots than all those dudes. Some of the numbers from KD right now are are nuts, okay? Now, the double team number, I looked up something. I found something that was like a week or so old. Luka actually uh, leads the league in just true double teams, almost 19 possessions per game against Luka. Durant's a little further down, but I wonder how that one that I found was calculated on the doubles because I've seen Embiid show up as doubles with a lot of doubles and then Jokic actually has less than you would think only because people are so horrified of ever leaving other people because Jokic will just pass for an entire half if he feels like it and he's like all right this it doesn't matter we'll just go ahead and do this so looking at some of the Durant numbers you could make an argument is the best season he's had in five years his true shooting percentage is 67%. Okay, that would be 37th all-time for one single season. Now you're saying, well, Rosillo, 37th all-time? Come on, man. Is that that big of a deal? Why'd you write that down? Okay, but the point is that almost every guy in front of him is a big and a lot of low-usage bigs. The only perimeter players that are ahead of that number, Kyle Korver, um, Steph, actually Sabonis this season was really good. You could say, okay, he's not a true perimeter player, but if we're talking to somebody who basically lives their life offensively on the perimeter, for Durant to be doing that at 67% this year, this is historic stuff. Let's add to this net story. Kyrie's locked in on both ends. I know that's what he's supposed to be, <laughs> but when he is, it's pretty good. Four threes in less than three minutes in the second quarter against Cleveland. A little reminder of like, okay, yeah, when this guy's going this way. And I I still think we'll see if this keeps up. I think people are going to handle Durant a little bit differently because I've just, every time I watch Nets games throughout the course of this season, I'm always like, man, teams are really selling out against him. And Durant's like, whatever, that's fine. I'll pass. Durant loves passing. He loves passing these dudes. Um, I saw Kyrie showing effort around screens again. We've seen it. In glimpses, I think he had a Boston season where it looked like he actually cared about screens. There is part of me, and for Kyrie, his December, he's 28, 6, and 5, 40, uh, 50, 40, and 90 shooting numbers. There's part of me that's like, wait, is he just doing this all because his contract is up? Which would actually, <laughs> believe it or not, add to a new thing I would find with Kyrie and be like, wait, all of this stuff. All of all of the thoughts, the causes, every everything that you're fighting, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to play a lot more this year because my contract's up. Which would not make him unique. 
but would seem to kind of fly in the face of a, a pioneer of thought. And then you've got the Ben Simmons part of this. Okay, he's still a net negative on offense if you look at some of the offensive box score stuff. But there was a possession defensively, and you're starting to see this happening now with Simmons. It's been going on for a while. What he's doing, like I get the passing and some of that kind of stuff, but there's some concerns maybe I'll get to a little bit later. But it was just him defensively on Donovan Mitchell. They were going to be two. Cleveland was still going to be two possessions down. There might have been just about a minute, under a minute to go. And Simmons decides to just be a one-man wrecking crew on this defensive possession, right? Mitchell had a hard time when Simmons decided, I'm going for you. And in this spot, all Simmons wanted to do was prevent Cleveland from getting a good look. And what he did, this is one of those things that doesn't always count because someone could have made a bucket, but it was just great defense. It was it was intense. It was smart. It was the right time for all of it. Simmons goes right at Mitchell, and Mitchell can't get into whatever it is they want to do. And then they try to run a screen. And by the end of it, the whole thing is it's too late. And it's all because Simmons wrecked the possession. You know how like we'd see point guards get blitzed all the time? And it's like, well, why do you guys do that every single time? They don't do it as much as they used to do it. Because the whole point was that Jim O'Brien used to love doing that with the Celtics. He's like, you're going to do this every fucking possession? Um, because eventually, if your guards are good enough, you're going to figure out a way to beat you the rest of the bit. Kind of some of the stuff we were talking about with Luca getting double teamed. But they would do it so that it wasn't to stop. It was just that you were going to get into your stuff seven to eight seconds later. If you honestly, you'd have to be a pretty bad offense to have that happen to you all night long. But you get the point. Mitchell couldn't get going, not because of some big trapping scheme or anything. It was only because Simmons was like, I got you. So, sure. Oh, by the way, I'm going to talk about Yuta. Yuta the shooter. You realize he's number one in the NBA in three-point shooting right now, 54%, which would be number one all-time for a season. All-time. Kyle Korver, 53%, 2009-2010. The corner three number going into the week, because I don't have the most recent one here, it was 73% on corner threes. When I first heard that number in the Nets game last week, I was like, wait, what? You're at home. And you're going, wait, did he just, did Ian Eagle just say that he's 73% on corner threes? TJ Warren's getting it going. Sumner can create. I've always liked Claxton. They beat Cleveland without Seth Curry and without Joe Harris in that group. It's a deep team. It's a little smaller. And yes, when it's bad, it's a little ISO heavy, but at least it's ISOs from Durant and Kyrie Irving. Sure, I am. This isn't like a great bet. The title of this podcast isn't going to be The Nets Are Winning the Title. Right? This is what we talk about here. Durant, who could get hurt again, wouldn't shock you. On the Kyrie's like fun December here. Let's see how this story goes. We still have a lot of games left. But Simmons being engaged, all right. We're starting to see it. We're seeing it here consecutive weeks because when he first came back, it was bad. The most important number right now is seven. Seven games missed in December for KD, Kyrie, and Simmons. That actually feels like a lot out of the 33, right? The teams played 11 games, 33 total. They've missed seven of them. That's fucking great for this group, okay? That's awesome news. And it's amazing what happens when all your really good, supposedly really good players play. Start winning some games. Starts with Durant, but that Cleveland win was very impressive against a good Cleveland team. The team that I think is going to you know, be a challenge in the playoffs.
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. Let's talk some football. Sarah Walsh, NFL Network. Uh, this has been a fun season, huh? <laughs> for who? Depends Depends on for who. Uh, it's been an interesting season uh, down here in Tampa. I think it's been an unexpected season down here in Tampa. And then I think most shockingly is the fact that this team could still be in the playoffs uh, is insane, really. Um, considering it just feels like it's been week after week after week, you're talking about a loss and it's like, nope, still in first. Nope, still probably going to the playoffs. Although, I mean, that could that could be in jeopardy after this weekend. Wait, can I just start, wait? Can we just back this up for one second? I have a I have a beef with you. First of all, I'm on this podcast. You don't even reach out to me personally. This goes through Allison, who's doing your booking. Ryan Rosilla would like to have you. I know you're a big deal. Like I get that you're a big deal, but you don't even personally reach out to one of your best friends to be like, "Hey, can you come on?" Like that's how we're operating now because we're that big of a deal. Uh, it's not because I'm that big of a deal. So you're a difficult booking. So you thought if you went through like professional channels, it'd be easier to get me on. Yeah, because it's easy That's to say it. it's easy to just to say no to me. But then once we get staff involved, I feel like <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I was actually I was so annoyed by this, but I'm like I'm gonna I'm not even gonna text him. Allison setting this whole thing up yesterday. I'll send you a Zoom link. Brian has this availability, and I'm like I'm not even gonna take this him. I'm not even gonna respond to this. I'm gonna wait till we get on the podcast and give you grief about it because like I, I I'm just like this is how we're rolling now. Uh, well, girl power. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I thought okay, she had a better it. chance. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're here now, and uh, it's just it's just not the same between us, Ryan. You know. All right. Well, back I'll in try the day, you just knock on the door, leave me a Lulu present at my front step, and uh, and now it's like talk to my assistant's assistant and see if you can come on. Okay, proceed. Let's go back to football. Yeah, we're going to have to address that Lulu thing a little bit later because that's going to sound weird to everybody, but that's all right. Uh, we'll, that's awesome. We'll keep it Sounds moving. awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, people don't for understand. It was actually, yeah, it was a great, great deal for Sarah. Okay. I, I we, but we've talked all season about this team and, and you're like, okay, beginning of the year, mm-hmm. like you expect that they're probably going to be pretty good. We knew the O line yep. was going to be a bit of a question mark. The secondary, you know, has has been tough to keep everybody together. And now it turns into Brady's going to throw it like 50 times a week, which is the opposite mm-hmm. of what the plan would be for a 45-year-old mm-hmm. quarterback. I'd argue, despite how bad it's looked at times, like you can still do way worse than him. And all of these games, oh, yeah. it feels like recently, they end with, wait, they're in this. They have a chance to yep. win this one, the Saints game. And so you're right. Like every game, every week, like I joked the other day, I mean, that Arizona game was terrible. And then I'm like, maybe he should just play the fourth quarter. So how has this happened? Yes. Uh, sort of how you laid out. Like, So here's the thing. Week one, 
Um, they went to Dallas. I mean, it feels like seven years ago now. And it was like a dominant win in Dallas. And I remember being like, oh my God, like this team might run back to the Super Bowl. Like they were that good. And the formula in that game was that he didn't throw it a million times. They had this run game that nobody foresaw that the fact that that thing's dropped off the face of the planet. I mean, at certain points, it's been like historically bad. They're last in the league running the football. They know it. And it's been sort of this broken record. I mean, that's the best way I can describe this season. It's been sort of a broken record. Uh, We got to get the run game going. We got to get the run game going. And I think at this point, they're just like, yeah, that's probably not going to get going. So uh, here's uh, here's what we do. They'll tell you, we don't want Tom Brady at 45 to be slinging it 50 times a game. What's he doing? Slinging it 50 times a game. I mean, a lot of these are like these tiny little check down passes to Leonard Fournette and sort of these like catch and run things. But um, it's all come apart. I don't think you mentioned the offensive line being a question mark. It wasn't as big of a question mark as when the season started. I mean, they lost two guys, but then it went. And when I say two guys, they lost Alex Kappa, who went to the Bengals. They lost Ali Marpet. It was surprise retirement because he's really good. He's a pro bowler. That was a surprise. They they didn't see that coming. But the second Tom resigned, they resigned their pro bowl center. They lose him the second day um, of training camp, which now he's been designated to return. And there's a potential that we could see him back out on the field here. Um, I, I don't know how soon, maybe even this week, but, uh, it really collapsed on the offensive line. Um, so Tom's just throwing it away as fast as he can. He's not getting sacked. People want to look at sack and go, oh, well, he's not getting sacked. Well, he gets rid of it in in less than two seconds. So like nobody can sack him. Um, and when I say injuries, to the offensive line, I'm talking injuries to the guys that are injured that are replacing the guys that were already injured. I mean, um, last week in Arizona, Josh Wells, who's a guy that's like filling in, he goes out, he's done for the season. And I'm literally like, I don't know who's up next. Like, I, I don't know where, I don't even know the names of some of these people that they're having to pull. Like it's um, so that that's obviously a problem, but I think overall, and this isn't like a great, like, Hey, this is so smart. And I never thought of this answer. It's just been out of sync. Take out week one. And then week two, they went in new Orleans and, and they had like kind of this gutsy win, um, but they've never been in sync. Something has been off. Um, it just has not clicked the way it clicked those other two years. Now, is that because of the offensive line? Is that because, I mean, just things are not clicking the way they did before. They don't get breaks that fall their way. If anything, everything kind of goes against them. And like some of that is like luck and things, you know, this momentum rolling your way. But it's just been like a really off-kiltered offense. And I don't see this late in the season, I don't stand there anymore and be like, maybe this will be the week they get it together. Like, I think it's not going to get together, but can they do enough and get these ugly wins? I mean, here's what's crazy. They should have, you're watching the Arizona game and you're like, this is terrible. Like they shouldn't win this game. I can say that about like five other games. And when there's two minutes left, like, do you want Tom Brady to not look great three quarters, but win you the game at the end? Like, I mean, what matters most? And that, that's sort of like the way they've done it. Um, look terrible for three quarters, probably half of the fourth quarter. And then it's like the last couple minutes of the game. And this team always is still in it. Like they're just never, ever out. And so maybe that's like the thing they hang their hats on. Um, but it's ugly. It's it's ugly. And there's just no way around that. Okay. The Tom storyline has, mm-hmm. has been a long one here just for the season alone. So yeah. do you think everything was fine? You know, coming back, granted, he's dealing with all this personal stuff, um, which I don't know if we'll get to or not, because uh, I'm not super interested in it. But, you know, him retiring and then him deciding he's going to come back and then taking time, you know, before the season started. Like, I just wonder, because you know, we love to play the results, but if he had been in camp at day one and everything's great in his personal life, is this team really that much better? Because I don't know. I don't think that's true. 
And I think that's what's going to happen. Like this is going to end up ending however it ends. And it'll be like, well, it was messed up from the jump. And although that's true, I don't know that the quarterback who's been around this long, but has already been with this team with this offensive line situation and all the other problems they've had. Like, I don't know that this was some 10 and seven team or 11 and six team and everybody'd feel better about it late in December. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Like, so here's the thing you knew when he took those days off, um, it, it's obviously everyone's going to Monday morning quarterback the situation of like, if they come out and they're lighting it up, they're going to go, who cares? He didn't need those 11 days. He didn't need, he didn't need to be there. He's Tom Brady. He doesn't need the reps, but it's so funny. But then when um, on the flip side, when things aren't going well, or even when you ask the coaches, like what's going on and we asked Byron Leftwich, their offensive coordinator, what's going on. And he'll be like, you know, these guys haven't had a lot of reps together. And it's like, okay, well then you're saying that they need reps, but that, you know, there were certain times you didn't get reps. Um, so it's kind of like playing it both ways and and they'll play it both ways. But here's the thing. I agree with you. Like something is just not great. Is their defense good enough? Is Tom Brady and the mentality that he has in the last like couple minutes of games good enough to get them? So no one's going to say though, like when you get in the playoffs, like no one's going to be like, no one cares what you do, right? You just have to get in. And they know that at this point, like they know that and they've known it for weeks, months now, like you just got to get in. Um, and then we've seen people go on weird tears when they get in. I don't think this team, this team's not built like that because here's, here's the problem that is, is looming. They've done it against the saints. They did it against the Cardinals. They've done it against the Rams. Like I'm not naming teams that are juggernauts, right? Like the chiefs come down here, they get up big. They're, they're not allowing the bucks back into that game. So when you get into the playoffs and you've got these teams that are really good, these teams are not going to allow them to like get back into things. And that is what has sustained them and allowed them to pull off these wins at the last second, because, you know, you don't totally put them away. And then Tom's capable of looking like Tom Brady in the last two minutes of the game, better than anybody else has ever done, you know, that, but I, I just don't see a scenario in the playoffs when teams are really good and you're playing the best of the best that you're going to let a team like that hang around and you're going to get in such a hole. You can't you can't operate from the fact that like, oh, we always feel like we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole. Uh, and, and they're able to do it sometimes, but I don't think you're going to be able to do it against the teams uh, when it matters the most in, in the postseason. And I think the Bucks know that. And I think Todd Bowles knows that. I mean, he's like, you just they can't be they just have not been consistent this entire year for like any length of a game, let alone four quarters. Okay, because the standard has been pretty high now for Tampa for a couple of yeah. years, I can't help it. Every time I see like you do a hit that throws to something, yeah, it feels extra miserable. <laughs> me, I feel no, I, I, me no. or the hit that I'm. <laughs> no, like whatever. Uh, it, and you know, here's the thing, Sarah. If if they were two and eleven, then it's yeah. like, hey, we suck, and it's over. And I think because yeah. the division is so bad. And I know it's not what you're saying here. And it's one of the things that kind of drives It's like, oh, well, you never know. They get No, we know. Like, if they get in, they're going to have yeah. to play a pretty good team and they're going to lose. Okay? So, yeah. like, I don't want to hear it. It's one of the weird things with the way the playoff thing works because they want the importance to still be their significance of winning the division. That's fine. I get it. But I just think you should be disqualified if you're not 500. Just give it to somebody else. And... I don't, no, I don't disagree with you. And that's the whole division. I mean, it's literally the whole division. And so... The weirdest part of like what my job has been this year is it's hard. So I'll be on on Mondays and like you can't just like crap on a team that want, you know what I mean? Like 
like the problem is, is like it's felt weird to be like, hey, they swept the Saints this year. That's like hard for them. They perennially had problems with the Saints before Tom, even during Tom's tenure, they have a problem with the Saints. The way they they were terrible the whole game. The Saints should have won that game, the last game they played here in Tampa. The Bucks pull off an incredible comeback at the very end. And um, and then like it's this weird vibe of like you don't want to go on TV and be like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Oh, by the way, it was a win. Because how many teams who, like, what team wants to be like, man, we look so great. It was a loss. You know what I mean? Like, you're always going to take, like, look bad and take a win. But it has been, like, really weird this season to literally all year be covering the division leader, a team that up until this week, maybe, had complete control of this division. And, um, and like, it felt like every time you go on, it's like, what's wrong with the box? I mean, that would be like the tee-ups are like, what's wrong with the box? And it's like, well, they won, but you know what I mean? And, but I will even say in the locker room after games, there has been so few times that it felt like a win, even after wins. Like, I'll give you another example. They played the Falcons, um, had, a, I think, pretty significant lead on them, let them completely back into the game. There was a call, no call that on Grady Jarrett that kind of hosed the Falcons and you go in the locker room, Bucks win it. And it just feels like defeating. And it feels like you're in a losing locker room, even when they win. Um, so it's just been like a really, really weird vibe. And I'll tell you what else is setting up. Interesting though, when you're like, this isn't going to, you know, don't sell me this. This isn't going to happen in the playoffs. If they get the Cowboys, if, if they get in the playoffs and, and I don't know, the Panthers are coming here with all the momentum, honestly. Um, and, and I feel like less pressure on them to come into Tampa and win. But let's just say the Bucs get in and let's just say it's the Cowboys first round and it would be here. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, they have had the Cowboys number. So you would think that the Cowboys would like finally get to them. But who's the pressure on at that point? I mean, there's a lot of pressure in doubt. Like that almost sets up, I think, well for them. And I could see them pulling that off. Um, but then, you know, not much farther than that, but, but only because they've sort of been that thorn to Dallas that the saints have been to them. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a real weird deal. And I honestly feel like a broken record. I mean, cause it's, it's sort of the same storylines every week. They can't run the ball. Tom's thrown it 50 times. They're not connecting. Um, it's literally the same thing every week and it's just kind of the same story and it just isn't getting corrected. One of the first times I realized how much I like Todd Bowles was when the jets thing was going bad. And it wasn't a very good mm-hmm. team. He'd had a nice record in there and then it's going south. And he just was on it. Like he just was, I was like, man, I'm kind of impressed with him. What's that been like through a trying season, uh, seeing Bowles handle this week to week? Um, I mean, I feel bad for him because he was handed basically a, a team that's like packaged to like win a Super Bowl in that sense. Again, this this whole thing has been weird, right? Like, and you even kind of mentioned it. Let's go back to let's go back to this offseason. Uh, they're following up their Super Bowl season with a with a really decent season. They lost to the Rams, who win the Super Bowl at the very last minute, part of like which would have been another incredible Brady comeback. So a heartbreaking loss at home. That could have been them. Like good season, great season. Uh, didn't end with the Super Bowl, but good season. And then it's Tom Brady's retiring. Tom Brady's unretiring. Bruce Arians is leaving. I mean, just a lot of like nothing has been smooth when you go back to these Brady storylines. It just for a guy that has been very controlled and very the narrative has kind of all been perfect right like the storybook narrative it's been not smooth um especially the retirement thing it's been a like awkward maybe is like the only way i can describe it just just odd um there's all the rumors about the todd and the bruce thing and how that went down so todd takes over 
but think about all the coaches when there's coaching changes. It's because the team was struggling, right? Like their coaches get sure. replaced because it seems like, I mean, look at who's taking over in Denver right now. Who's taking, you know, like, um, and so Todd gets handed a job that isn't like the norm. You're, you're basically handed this team. You just got your Super Bowl winning quarterback back. Now he's recruiting all his, uh, his guys to resign here. And so like the pressure's on, you feel like everything's intact. Um, and then things go sideways. Like, pretty fast after those first two games. And um, I don't know. I feel like I want to say, yeah, Todd's been awesome. But I feel like, again, it's just sort of been this broken record thing. And like, I don't know if he knows what to say, right? Like he says the obvious, like we got to be better. Like I have seen the frustration clearly um, with him. And he's made some comments like guys are living on their, like what they did in the Super Bowl. That's a problem. And, you know, he said little things Todd's very like low key um, in front of the microphone and um, and you don't see him get riled up. You never see him get riled up on the sidelines either. Uh, he's very, very like low key in that way. But he says these things every once in a while. And this like I feel like tells you how frustrated it is. Like when he said something um, recently, he's like, guys got to decide if they want to be here or not. And he says stuff like that. And you're like, whoa, like, I mean, that's those are like kind of some daggers. Right. And there was times we had to go in the locker room and kind of ask them about stuff Todd said and they would be like I mean that's that's like some kind of like heavy shots um so I don't know I've seen Todd I think just be frustrated like a lot of people are with this team and I think some of it too is like so much is on the offense and Todd's like a defensive guy so then like he was asked this week already like do you talk to Byron during the game and he's like I'm not interrupting the play caller while he's in the middle of calling the game like he's not going over and being like you know what would work well like he's like he's like no I'm not doing that like if there's stuff, he's like, we talk all week, but like, I'm not like, there's just been like this, this like weirdness and, um, and clearly like frustration on, on Todd's side of things because it's not going the way it should go. And this is a team that comes with a different set of expectations than most, I think. Okay. The big question on all of this is, do you think Brady comes back for another year of this? I do. I do. But, um, I was in the minority last year when I said he was coming back, like the day after their season ended, I remember being on NFL network and I'm like, he's coming back. And my only reason for thinking this at the time was I watched him when that game ended. And I felt like if you're calling it a career after as long as he's played two decades and football means to him, what we know it means to him. I felt like there would be some like look around moment. Like I've just felt like it wouldn't have been this business, like run off the field. And I know he lost. I just felt like you would have felt something. So I'm on TV the next day and I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's retiring. And it comes out like, a couple of days later, like he's retiring. I'm like, oh, really, really nailed that one. And then he comes back and I was like, yeah, I got it. Like, it's kind of like the field going in. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. Okay, cool. Um, and so I say all that to say I could be completely wrong here, but um, he said something already this week on his podcast. Like, it'd be really hard for him to walk away. And you just sort of hear like the rumblings and like all the rumblings I hear are like, this guy's coming back. He's not going out this way, which means, by the way, which means I could be totally, totally wrong. Sure. But everyone's like, he's not going out this way. Um, I don't think he... Um, you look at these games and he's frustrated in a way that we've never seen Brady frustrated because we've never seen Brady lose this many games. Um, but I also don't think mentally this looks like a guy... It looks like a guy that's having a really frustrating season. But there's things about him that, to me, I'm like, he's not going to walk away now. Like, he... Like, his family... Like, he's... Now, you know, like the the whole Giselle thing, which was made a big deal about, like, she wants him to quit football. Well, now they're not together. So now why are you going to quit, right? Like, um, I don't know that you're playing until you're 50, but like, what do I know? I think he still feels like he can play. Um, 
And I feel like he's still involved where he wants to like make decisions and get certain things in place and write this and and fix it. That's just like my gut feeling from observations, but no like concrete, like Tom randomly said this. Um, So yeah, I I do. I think he comes back. I don't know if it's in Tampa. I think think the sexy storyline is to say he's going somewhere else and then we get in the Tom Brady sweepstakes. But when you really sort of like vet out all those things that seem cool and like this could happen i think it's really hard to like pick up and i mean he did it and he won a super bowl right so he's got that in his back pocket of like well i can go do that and win a super bowl somewhere else um i just think it's easier said than done like what's the right like location that you could plug him in that he feels like he can win immediately um and like they got to fix stuff here obviously if that if that happens and he stays but like they'll fix it for him i mean they'll do anything he wants him to do obviously Okay, uh, last one here. Do you enjoy hosting Good Morning Football more than when we host Sports Nation together? Ooh, good question. Good question. Um, I love hosting Good Morning Football. I'm on this week um, on Friday. It's like a fun. It's fun to like jet up to New York and do that for a second. Uh, I love that group, as you know. Um, I think you like Nation that group. You like that group more than you liked Rosillo Sports Nation. We didn't really even like yeah, each other. Well, we didn't know each other. That's the problem. We didn't know each other. Can you imagine if we were on Sports Nation now? Um, but I know I liked you, and I'm not going to say what you said, but there were a couple comments that were made that they would be like, nope, stop. We got to stop the show. And they would like stop the show because they're like, can't say that. Like, and uh, and we would have to like retape. And you're like, why? What'd I say? <laughs> like they would be like, hey man, we're just trying to make sure you don't get fired. So we're gonna redo that segment. Don't say that. And uh, I didn't know you, but I liked you when that was going on. I was like, oh, I like him. But we didn't know. That's it's weird. We didn't know each other. I had a, the picture of us hosting Sports Nation popped up on my phone the other day, and I know you've seen it before because I think I've I've sent it to you or posted you. You have hair, full hair, Rosillo. That's who I hosted Sports Nation with. Um, different guy. I don't know. Were you as Jack then? I was on the path. You were on the path. Um, I was laying the foundation. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a great question, but I would love to host it with you now because it would be so much more fun. You didn't talk to me then. You're very standoffish back then. I don't know that I'm less standoffish now. I guess, you know. No, I just, I just like it. Yeah. I think I just kind of, I don't know. I guess I'm not super friendly right away. And I don't mean to do it uh, to be, I don't, I don't strive to be unfriendly. I just take uh, a little time. That would be a great way. That would be a great way to describe you. I'm not super friendly right away. If you could change your Insta bio to that or your Twitter bio to that, it would be really, I'm not super friendly right away. I mean, it's, it's honestly, people that know you, that's an excellent, um, that's an excellent description of you. I would say. I just can't imagine. But funny people, right away. Right. But people who don't know each other being like, oh my God, I'm so interested. No, you're not. You don't know yet. Uh, no, you're, but, but it, you're a little difficult in that way. Like I would say people would say you're probably like tough to read in that sense. Um, not now, not now. Uh, you want to explain the Lulu thing before you said you're going to get, you're not getting in trouble for that. No, I Ryan think everybody used to knows. Give me a lot of Lulu gear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. because he would, well, he didn't have a lot to do. None of us did. And he would go to the local mall. There's not a lot to see there. And, and more times than not, if he was talking to someone at Lulu, um, be it the staff that worked there, he would somehow I would end up getting like a present. And it was right. great for me. I got I think, so much gear. I think the weird one was like, I think I bought you a tennis skirt once. And then it was like, okay, where's this going? And then I think there was even one, like, I think there was a move where like I, 
I should not describe it as a move. There was this Patagonia like white zip up fleece. I was like, oh, that's pretty cute. I was like, I should get it. I was like, oh, you're not dating her anymore. I was like, oh, I'll yeah. get it for Sarah. And then yeah, Sarah I, like, really- I was the beneficiary. Right. Yeah, Sarah realized nothing, um, this is a great deal because he's not dating anybody deal. and he's a gift giver and we're neighbors and we don't have a lot going on. So like out of nowhere. So then somebody actually at one point was like, why do you get her stuff? And I was like, I don't know. She's next door. <laughs> next door but you know but if you knew us like it's not like weird um i had a husband and i'd be like ryan gave me this sick jacket today and he would be like, like dude why is he buying like he was like awesome that seems like ryan you know what i mean like um yeah i think it was as simple as uh you didn't have a girlfriend for much of the duration that i've known you and you're just a generous nice person sometimes and i hope i'm not selling you out you would be like talking. I remember having a conversation where you were like, cute girls would work at Lulu and you'd be like, oh, I was talking to this girl. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, I'm like, you're buying like presents for me to like keep this conversation going. And I'm like, and the girl for sure is going to be like, he's totally buying this for a girlfriend. And you'd be like, no, it's just for my next door neighbor. And the girl that you were probably trying to talk to is like, yeah, it's not for your next. And it really was like, there's really nothing not innocent about it. You just are really generous. And if you saw something that was nice that you thought I would like, you also, um, I don't know if you remember this, bought me an ice cream cake one time and put it on my doorstep and had it inscribed with just like friendship. Do you remember that? I think you had them write friendship on the cake. And I was so psyched because I was like, oh my God, ice cream cake. Amazing. And it said friendship with a rainbow. Great neighbor. Great friend. Great neighbor. What's the line? Not easy to get to know right away. Not nice right away. What's our description line? Um, I think we, we said, I'm not, I don't strive to be friendly immediately. Right away. Yeah, right away. Something right away. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we covered it. Great I do miss you guys. Sorry, I talked over you. What were you saying? No, no, no. We miss you. Uh, I'm going to be in LA soon. I want to go out on the boat. I'm inviting right. myself out on the boat. Sounds great. Bilge alarm went off the other day. So we're uh, working on that. <laughs> Just get it fixed by the end of the month. No problem. I'm on it. I'm taking it out. I want to know what's wrong. I want to learn these things. Um, but yeah, it's still, it still did fine under eight knots. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Do- that- and then uh, then the docking control uh, disengaged mid-docking the other day. I hate when that happens. Yeah. I was super proud of myself. I mean, the, the, the feeling you have inside of yourself when you're trying to dock a boat and all of a sudden the controls disengage. You're like, well, that doesn't feel awesome. And then there's this just absolute moment of sheer terror for five seconds as your boat's floating around in the slips. And you're like, all right, all I need to do. crash it? I mean, I had it lined up pretty good, luckily, once it disengaged. But I I knew, I can't, I just can't explain, I can't explain what that feeling is to anybody that doesn't know what that feeling is. Like, you could say it's like your car brakes just, not working all of a sudden you're going down a hill but it'd be like imagine if the hill was made of foam and there were obstacles and you just it's like a plinko chip like you just don't you're not quite sure what's going to happen except the plinko board is rotating while it, so I, again I'm, I'm being a little too descriptive with all of it i luckily mm. was on it immediately to go okay deep breath you need to do this boom boom and then you know we got back to work and very very stress-free once that happened but yeah the other day the other day was a, a tad challenging so it's all right 
I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure like a lot, the majority of your listeners can like relate to what it's like to have to park their big boat in a boat slip. So, I mean, just like everyday problems, you know? Maybe somebody's not going to be invited. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going, I'm going even if the boat's not leaving the dock, I'll just hang out there. I will say I've never, I've been around a ton of boats cause we live in Florida and, um, I've never seen someone with a remote control. The first time I was on Ryan's boat, which is the last time I was on Ryan's boat. Uh, he, he drives us with the little remote control thing and I've never seen it before in my life. And it does make me nervous. Like no one's driving the boat behind the wheel. That makes me nervous. Um, okay. But he's just, just for the, for the fun. hardcore boat captains, cause we do have a lot actually yeah. that listen to this podcast to understand. <laughs> All right. I only did that because I had a captain at the wheel while I pulled out with the remote to show you what it was capable of. Were you not even driving it? You were just showing off and the captain was really driving. No, driving that? I was driving it. I was driving it from the remote, but the captain was there and all he has to do is hit one button and then he has control of the ship. So I would okay. not, well, I, I would not, that. yeah, I would not do that without that setup. Although I did do it once the first solo time I went out, I came out of the slip that way. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it this way anymore because it's actually not that great. And another dude who was a liveaboard who's in the same marina, I think it was hammered. It was um, at a stern. And he just looks at me. He's like, that's the most dangerous fucking thing I've ever seen. And I was like, you know, I don't really need this right now. It's my first time ever out solo, solo on a boat this size. And, you know, I'm already kind of at a high level of intensity with this. And I just looked at him was like, are you talking shit to me right now? And he was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, and, and the thing is like, hey, you know, where my like, I'm going to have to park. It. I'm going to see you again. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But in fairness to him, looking back on that disembarkment that day, just stay behind the wheel if you're by yourself. Um, but I was just trying to learn the boat, you know, I'm just trying to learn all the different yeah. parts of it. What you learn about boating is that you don't know anything about it. Like you can take the test yeah, and get your license. Like a lot of work. It's a lot it of is. work. You've been working on this for a long time. Uh, and then I know you get excited and you call Matt. And last time you were talking about some boat thing, you're talking about night vision. And then I just, I leave the room, obviously. Yeah. To the night, uh, night session you, with like, the radar. Into this. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about the, like the equipment and gear and Matt loves that stuff and I could care less. Um, I'm disappointed. I don't get asked on the podcast often um, through your assistance, but uh, I'm disappointed like that you don't have me on to do like the love advice stuff with you, like, or like with the advice things that you do on there. Cause I'm like, Oh wait, I get asked. Yeah, we'll do this then. I didn't even thought of that. That's great. We'll do that. Done. What next time or now? No, I didn't. That wasn't an emphatic. Do you think I'm that much of a dick that I was like, Oh yeah, terrible idea. No, no, we'll, uh, yeah. next time we want to have like kind of a relationship one, we'll have you on. How about that? Yeah. 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 I want to be on. Cause I feel like I've been with you. Well, I don't well, <laughs> say through a lot of relationships, but I don't, I don't know what qualifies for that. Um, but I feel like I've given you a lot of advice over the years. And so I feel like, why am I not invited on the advice ed sessions? That's all. Yeah. And your advice has always been really good. Thanks. I'm looking forward to that boat trip. Sarah Walsh, NFL Network, playoff bound, Tampa Bay Bucks. Maybe. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Life advice email. Life advice rr at gmail.com. All right, Kyle. How we doing? Mid Christmas week, post Christmas. Doing well. Hanging. Just working through the holidays. Yeah. Seems like it's a shot at Bill and I, but yeah, who's to say? What do you got going on for New Year's? Uh working. It'll be Sunday. Oh my God. New Year's Eve is Sunday night. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. I guess that's what I'll be. I'll be working, uh, doing Sunday night pod. You're going to be like Meredith at St. Patrick's Day in the office. Oh, no, it's a Saturday. Hold on. My calendar's off. It's a Saturday. I'm going to be getting crazy. I don't know. Yeah, don't that's know. What, okay. All right. All look right. out. Yeah. All right. That's a great. I love surprising myself. Sometimes you set the bar low and you're like, oh, wow, look, at we got over it. That's you know great. what that was? That was the calendar version of waking up, forgetting that you set the clocks back an hour. Yes, exactly what that was. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got another hour. Lucky me. Okay, we have a couple follow-ups here that I thought were sort of interesting, so I wanted to do them. Okay, uh, this was a really good email, so thanks for picking it out, Kyle. 50 years old, 6'2", 215, poor man's Greg Kite. Already was on board with that. Ryan, uh, fans of the Zone days, I listened to your interview with Anik recently. You know nothing about, the MMA, about MMA, but just because it was you two guys, it was good to hear again. Okay, that's cool. Um, middle school principal, but I've always continued to teach and coach, especially. Apologies for the follow-up, but this is a good follow-up, so credit to you. Uh, this is a follow-up for anybody, our guy that on Monday was thinking about coaching or he was going to coach uh, this middle school girls team, and this guy's 50 and has done it, all right? But as a guy who kicked over a full ball rack at halftime when I was coaching middle school hoops at age 23, I was compelled to respond. Your primary goal is for all the kids to play again next year, period. Middle school is brutal. Kids might be going through puberty or not. They long for independence. They don't like their parents. They're awkward and may have acne, et cetera. Make basketball an enjoyable part of their day. If they like the team, and if you go to a varsity game in a few years and they're still playing, that's the greatest reward you can get. Beats winning games. Get to know the players and say hi to their parents after the games. Compliment their goals for whatever it is they're doing well. Playing hard, showing up all the time, being a good teammate, or being a good kid on the bus rides. Every parent wants their kid to be known. Man, this is great stuff. Yeah. The bar for coaching youth sports is low. You can exceed it. As for the actual games, most shots in girls' middle school basketball don't go in. <laughs> Work on rebounding and layups. If you have a couple girls who can clean up in the paint, you'll be in good shape. Don't know what the scene is in the Midwest, but where I live, most teams have one or two girls who have played AAU or club and can hoop. Go boxing one with one of your best athletes on their best kid and dare the rest of them to beat you. They probably won't. Put it in a zone with your best athletes, long and fast, in the back. Every team will struggle with it. Totally agree with that one. Got a big kid back there. Baseline position, one three one. Clean it up. 20 boards. That's it. It's not that hard. If the girls have a fun season, they'll always remember it fondly. How about that one? 
Kyle, you probably want to start coaching after reading that one. That was, I mean, that's sort of was my advice was like, hey, man, make it fun. I had fun in middle school and I remember it to this day. You know, I gave that stupid quote that my coach said. It was just like, it just just want to feel, you want to feel safe and, and good and like you, like you belong there and that you can, you can get better if you want to. That's what's nice about it. Um, all right. The part of my take best of 2022, which is kind of like when a sitcom, it's just the writers don't have an episode. So they're doing it. They came out and I made it. But uh, an email alerted that I was not on the cover and hmm. wants to know if I think Big Cat did that on purpose. Best of what 2022? Like best, just best, best anything of the, of the year? Best of the podcast. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. So, sorry, right. I'll be better in 2023. I haven't made Spotify's top 20 sports episodes in three years. I didn't know that. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I made 2022. They do 20 different sports episodes for the course of an entire year. I've I'm every day I'm checking it. Go well, on. that's all algorithm based, right? I mean, come on, we know we know where the where the rankings are every week, right? How could we how could we be flirting with the top of the rankings? But uh, no, yeah, this whatever. is a subjective. It was just like this was the best sports episode in sports podcasting, number one all through twenty, and I just haven't been good enough. So, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I'm checking it every morning. I want to see if I could if I've improved, but if I don't, it just means I got to be even better. Okay. Uh, that's about it on the follow-up stuff, right? <laughs> okay. New City. Big fan. Leave out the specifics. Well, I don't know. 59137. That's specific. That's pretty specific. He's a distance runner. All right. Makes sense. 27. Recently moved from a small market to a mid-market. All right. So I guess he doesn't want me to include the city that he's in, but the city that he's moving to is is important because it's so unique and it's so different. So let's read the rest of it. Maybe I'll kind of slide it in there. All right. Uh, for more context, I currently don't know anyone in the city. And last weekend, I went out by myself to watch football games on Saturday. As I was calling it a night, I ran into my ex-girlfriend's best friend from college who I've met and spent time with before. We ended up hanging out with her and her friend for the night and had a good time, seemed completely normal, like old friends catching up. I'm 100% aware that she is 100% off limits. Heard yeah. this. We heard this old. I don't know if she is, man. Chestnut. Um, but do I waste my time trying to hang out with her another time to meet people, meet more people in the area? All right. Well, he's not going after the friend, it doesn't sound like. The ex and I are on good terms, and she is dating, quote, the guy she told me not to worry about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Remember those Thanks. memes? Yeah, those are great. I'm going to tell my grandkids this is the guy she told me you to worry about. <laughs> All right, so she can't really get mad at me for much. Yeah, I think you're in the clear on that one, and it sounds like you don't have designs on the friend in the new town. Uh, I'm really just looking to meet people, and this may be a good way to meet some people. I know women. I guess girls and females off-limits. <laughs> <laughs> he listens oh, that's great. good listener uh can sometimes be weird about this type of thing uh, by the way that is not a gender specific thing lots of people can be weird about lots of shit and i would say this one is gender neutral all right um i'm thinking of just being honest with my ex and telling her and respecting whatever her opinion is curious your thoughts or should i not even bother and just go forward without talking to her here's what i know about runners especially distance runners you like meeting people, man. You like meeting people. 
You're in a new town. You're by yourself. The ex, if you're telling us, you're giving us the straight dope here. Uh, sounds like she's the one that did something worse before. And you're telling us you're not even going after the friend, but you're somewhat guilty about hanging out with her friend with designs on meeting new people. Like it's not even about the friend. It's just new guy, new town. Runners love meeting people. Yeah, you're totally, you're totally in the clear here. I wouldn't even tell the ex. Right. Why would you tell her? I wouldn't tell her. Or unless you want to just completely cover all your bases and just say, hey, I'm telling you this straight up. I have no interest. We ran into each other. I'd love to meet some more people. And, you know, I'm sitting by, I'm Rosilloing it every weekend here watching games <laughs> at a bar. It's fucking blows. I would say, and I think I am going to include this because it's very important in the email. And I left out the other part of it. He's moving to Scottsdale or he lives in Scottsdale, which if there's one town that I would rank number one over every other fucking town where it'd be like, hey, Rosillo, rank this town. Which town would I have the best chance as a dude sitting at a bar by myself and having women talk to me? Scottsdale would be ranked <laughs> number one. I don't even know who I'd put it number two. OK, Scottsdale would so far and away be fucking number one that. You already have a massive advantage, okay? You are, <laughs> if there was a football field that was uphill, you'd be running your plays downhill. So I'm just telling you, I think you're going to be good here and clearly not doing anything wrong. I don't know why you'd want to tell her. It sounds like you're such a, a moral person. This isn't even immoral to not tell her. You just want to make sure there's any chance that she found out later. Honestly, dude. I'd be more inclined to not tell her, let her find out about it, and then have her, because she fucked me over earlier, have that what-if moment in her head and then find a new way to get jealous because I actually am in a friendship mode engaging with a friend in my new town. I'd probably do that. Sounds like you wouldn't, but I'm not a distance runner. <laughs> uh, I think there's nothing wrong with like a springboard to friends. That's fine. I've done that before. Right. It's that she's just a springboard to friends. And if you want to still hang out with her, that's great. And I don't know why you'd be worried about her being your ex's friend unless you have this master plan that's like laid yeah, out years plan. in advance. Gordo. Unless the master plan is to get back with this woman after after she's done with the dude that you shouldn't worry about. And you just want to make sure that, you know, there's nothing that you could have done in that time that would get her upset, which I really hope is not the case, man. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have given a thought about it to the ex. Um, so I think that's totally fine. Um, be be like your normal self when she brings you around and just see if there's anybody that, you know, maybe would want to watch a game with you uh, tomorrow on Sunday or whatever if you're going out on a Saturday. I don't know. But uh, yeah, just take a, take a look around and just like, yeah, just hanging out is totally normal. That's fine. She might even, you might even have to be prepared if you've decided not to lay eyes on her in that sort of way and you've decided not to acknowledge her in like a, a romance-y sort of playful flirty way she might even get on you so you might just have to deal with that because that's sometimes what happens when you uh don't show any sort of interest that way sometimes it might just manifest if you guys are out drinking or something so i'd say there's always that thing you, you might have to worry about but there's totally nothing wrong with hanging out with this person that you sort of know uh to to try to find new friends i would just say don't come on too strong and be like all right what are we doing thursday night drinks and then it's like oh so saturday like what about saturday like don't don't uh, don't come on too strong where she feels like god this guy's like trying to book me three days this week so uh, i would say don't do that because boys or girls i mean men or women i think is what i'm saying here um 
they can get weird if you come on too strong in a friendship sort of way anyway. They're just like, hey man, once a week is good or twice a week, whatever. So I would say just just kind of find the right uh, amount of yourself to <laughs> to allow her to, to be around. Well, what's our number one role with this? The guy's constantly trying to figure out how to meet women, right? What do they do? We're like, become friends with the women. Become friends. Find a way to get in to the group. Have you ever seen Body of Lies, DiCaprio? Recruit the assets. <laughs> but this isn't fighting terrorism. You're just trying to go on some dates. But, you know, work at it. Say, hey, that one I know has no interest in me. This girl over here, um, you know, we're totally friend zone. And go into it not with maybe she'll change her mind or maybe I'll change her mind or all that kind of stuff. So you feel like, all right, look, it's off the table. You know how nice that is when there's no pressure? Yeah. Like, I'm not closing this. This isn't happening. So fuck it. Now I could just, and who knows, you might be yourself in such a way that later on down the road, like every great rom-com, sweet home Alabama, different plot line, but you get the point. And so, yes, you're doing exactly what you should be doing, but I'm telling you, some of those solo nights are probably going to end up with, you know, this might be a touch more weathered and a few more old fashions in them, but Scottsdale's the best city to be by yourself if you're a guy. And he might, and she might meet some dude friends too, which is also probably what he's got his eye out for here, right? He says he's new. I just want somebody to hang out with. Yeah, so that's that might right. Even be dude friends too. Like you could be platonic. And, yeah, excuse me, men. Oh, right. It's so, so, so hard these days. That's what she said. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Next one. New Year, uh, New Year's Eve plans ruining friend group. How old are these people? They've got to be young. All right, twenty-five. Right. Six two two ten. Body type like Jason Siegel, not Steven Seagal. Jason Siegel. <laughs> How would you describe that? That's kind of dad bod, right? Freaks and, freaks and geese seagull or like uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall seagull? Sarah Marshall, we get to see him pretty nude all the time. That guy didn't have a hard time meeting women. No. Um, I always had a hard time with that plot line, that little part of it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've discussed this before. I mean, granted, dream girl dumps you or whatever. It's like, oh, you're just going to bring home nines every single night for like <laughs> months. Yeah. Okay. Poor guy. But, sure oh, oh, but now you're eating cereal and you're bummed out. Got it. Cool. All right. Um, I know you've been asking that people include ages to add context. Yes, we did. All right. I that's my fault. Reading order. My friend group has been very close since kindergarten. Wow. Good for you. You guys from it's as far Nome? back as there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in a small village just north. No, um, <laughs> you got the cubbies next to each other. You never look back. Good for you. Are you familiar with Cuddy Hunk? Okay. So most of us went to the same college, not working, living in our hometown, a second tier Midwest city. Uh, examples such as St. Louis, Minneapolis, Indianapolis. Hmm. Indianapolis is a second tier Midwest. Huh? Interesting. Uh, I don't want to hear from the indie people on this one. We just I would have thought that would be first tier. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess first tier would be what? Chicago, Chicago? Milwaukee? That's it. <laughs> Wait, is Chicago the only first tier? If Chicago's the only first tier, then I would say, okay, fine, no problem. Chicago is the Mahomes and then everybody else the second tier? Yeah. St. Louis is going, what the fuck are you talking about? St. Louis is saying, we're first tier. Multiple sports franchises. Chicago saying, Nelly, Jason Tatum, come on. David Freeze. Okay, in short, we have seven of us who are all trying to put together. I, you know what? This is going to start. So it's going to be like the Dorchester Boston <laughs> so thing all over again. So, sorry, so uh, we are both saying we don't know. This is what the emailer said. Save it. Uh, in short, we have seven guys all trying to get together for New Year's Eve and has turned into a bit of a shit show. 
No kidding. I provided my best effort at summarizing the events without including too many unnecessary details. A few weeks ago, we were trying to figure out what our plans are going to be for New Year's Eve, and we'd all decided that we were leaning towards something low-key. Went out to a club last year, and it was a mess. Then one friend who was engaged and recently built a house with his fiance loosely invited the core group over to their new house in the suburbs, saying people would be welcome to crash at their place that night, big plus. Everyone essentially said, that sounds like a good plan. That was close. That sounds good. Well-written email. And we carried on our usual conversations. Herbert or Burrow, have you guys seen White Lois? Why doesn't Ryan hang out with Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward a couple of weeks, and that's when the issues began to arise. Half the friend group is in serious relationships. The other half is single. Dude, if you're 25 and single, you do not want to go to this. Just (laughs) telling you right now. I would be if I got stuck. Although 25 New Year's Eve party, had a girlfriend, slept on a pullout sofa. Dude passed out underneath the pullout sofa where me and my girlfriend were sleeping. He crawled in to the sofa during the daylight hours. And I was like, get the fuck out of the bed, dude. What are you doing? And he then proceeded to leave the house and go for a walk for two hours in the snow and come back. Crazy night. That guy wasn't just drinking course. <laughs> Granted, I loved the guy, but I was like, you got to get out of the bed with me. Too close. Too close. Got to get out of the bed. I probably would have said the same thing about sleeping in the bed by myself. Okay. But sucks he went on that walk. But that's what I'm thinking here. I'm going, okay, if I were single and it's like burbs and it's like, all right, cool. And then I'd be going to like a couple other side guys. I'd go core guys that at this point have side plans. Like we need to find some other thing to go to though later when it's weird. Right, Kyle? Right. Sure. Yeah. I think it's hard to know what to do on New Year's Eve. I think it's hard to know what to do. I've been to all sorts of stuff and uh, I don't know what what's I know the club is the worst thing. I've been to a bar where it's like you got to buy a ticket to get in and it's like, you know, that comes with a shot and a stupid hat and uh, like a beer or something. But like, no, it's senior week for adults. Weird. Right. It's the senior week. People, you're like, wait, you went to school here and then you see them senior week and they're buying tickets, all this kind of stuff. So most people tell you New Year's Eve is the worst night ever to go out and all that kind of stuff. But like when you're that young, guess what you do? You go out. Yeah, I like, agree. You, you still go out. You know, it's going to be weird. and It's all these different things. You're just kind of trying to figure it all out. Um, I've done them all too. Obviously very spoiled in the bartending years because we could just kind of go like, what do we want to do? And then we could just do it. And then right. we didn't, you know, we didn't have to worry about it. All right. Are we ever going to read this guy's email? <laughs> He probably turned 26 since we started it. Okay, here we go. Original invite was the core group plus the WAGs. If everyone went, it would be seven dudes, three girlfriends, not the best ratio, but we did all agree we wanted something low-key. A group of the girls and the single guys hang out with a decent amount, reach out to them about the New Year's Eve plans. There are four girls, but two of them have boyfriends. One boyfriend none of us know, and the other one is a non-core friend of ours. All right. So if they came along, it'd be adding two single girls and two more couples and thus turning the close-knit gathering of longtime friends into a larger, weirder mix of people. Well, anybody that thought a woman in a relationship (laughs) wasn't bringing a dude with them to this. It's stupid. Like, that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. Right. You can't, if you're in a relationship in New Year's Eve, I think half the reason people are even dating is because of New Year's Eve. And then it's like, all right, we can break up maybe after a Valentine gift or something like that. 
Uh, the primary dilemma is the host couple doesn't really know this group of girls and the vibes kind of clash. Couple's pretty mature, subdued. That's right. They have a house in the suburbs. That's also why they are selfishly inviting you to the suburbs because this so they way, don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, they don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well played, Kyle. Uh, that might be giving a consider. Uh, that might be a given considering they're engaged homeowners at 25 while the group of girls are a little bit more party, take selfies, uh, et cetera. They're all hot. The single guys have dropped hints trying to get the host couple to extend an invite to this group, but have received radio silence. Do I need to read the dynamic again? I think I get it. If everyone went at seven dudes, three girlfriends. So that would have been four single guys going to this. A group of the girls that the single girls hang out with a decent amount reached out to them about New Year's Eve plans. There are four girls, but two of them. So it's the three girls that are asking about four other girls. Women, Two of Ryan, them are single. Women. Yeah, right. Uh, whatever. It's his email. All right. So I just want to make sure the audience and everybody's playing along here. So the core group of the girls has four other girls, but two of them have boyfriends. So that's, hey, we're bringing these four girls along and they're bringing these two boyfriends where, again, one guy nobody knows. The other one is a friend, but outside of the core group. But the rest of the dudes on the 7-3 original ratio want these two extra f- right. just wild Everyone cards in the mix. Yeah. Right. I just want to make sure everybody's understand. So radio silence. We're at Crossroads now where the single guys can't invite the girls over to the host couple's house without getting the green light. Yeah, you can't. You can't. It's their house. So the core groups just split up and the ones with the, um, the wags go over to the host couple's while the single dudes meet up with the girls. Is that a bad look since everyone already loosely committed to the host couple's house? Should the host couple suck it up and invite more people? And since everyone was pushing a low-key night, are they in the right to stick to the original plan? Yeah, you guys got a disaster on your hands because what happened was these two wildcard girls are fucking up everybody's motivations now, right? They the, the adults here, which are all, I know you're all the same age, but the adults, the homeowners, the engaged 25-year-old couple, as you pointed out, they want this party to be low-key. Everybody said they wanted it to be low-key, but not everybody wants it to be low-key. If I'm single, I actually don't want it to be low I, like I already knew this was going to happen, right? Guys going to be looking up Uber prices and <laughs> yeah, going It's going to throw the whole vibe off yeah, by like, like 9 oh, p.m. Man, it's, <laughs> if, we, if we could make it back to the lodge, he's not in Chicago. So anyway, maybe the Ubers won't be as bad. Getting to the point where the... People are living very different lives right now. Married in the suburbs or single in the city. The guys in serious relationships really want to venture out, meet new people. But New Year's Eve is a prime time for single guys to make some moves. Is this just a sign we need to start dividing the group into single versus married when it comes to event planning? Or is there an obvious solution I'm missing? Apologize for the dramatic subject line. Just want this to be read. Would appreciate. Wait, well, how dramatic was it? Oh, ruining friend group? Ruining New Year's Eve. Yeah, this is a lot here. I, You know, honestly, I, I, I spent way too long on this whole thing this isn't i'll tell you what'll fuck up the friend group is if you guys invite people that aren't supposed to be there that's one okay i remember i was 23 was on the vineyard for that small window trying to figure out my life and um a buddy all my buddies were going to nantucket for this new year's eve thing the problem is the guy that owned the new york uh owned the house I didn't know how much he hated me. And then I realized later on, he really hated me. And I called him. It was like, hey, look, I'm on the vineyard. I have nothing going on. Can I just shoot over? And he was like, no. I'm like, <laughs> wait, it's all, it's like all of the, us. It's all of the dudes. It was like, no, you can't come. And I was like, fucking sweet. And I did nothing. It was awful. It oh, man. That's, that's uh, sad. so you can't invite people that 
the other people aren't going to want to be there. But w- the, the real problem is, is for the guys that knew deep down this is not what they wanted to do for saying yes to doing it. And if you cancel at 25, you know how we're reading emails about how like, you know, I didn't get invited to a wedding or I didn't do this or whatever. This is going to piss them off, most likely. It'd be great if it didn't. It'd be great if a lot of stuff didn't piss off most of us. But this is the kind of stuff, especially if you're dealing with a much more mature couple, that'll piss them off a little bit. So if you decide to like, hey, I know we said low-key original plans, but now these two other people that are just sort of dating, these two single girls, they're going for it. Because guess what? If we're talking tapas and fucking wine and going to bed at 2.30, for me at 25 versus, hey, have you seen this girl at Grand Rubina and profiles back then? Like, do you know about so-and-so? Yeah, she's single, she's out, and she's in this group, and it's going to be the four of us. There's no fucking debate on what I'm doing. Zero. There's no like, oh, I'll go do that, little J- JT late at night. And I'm not talking Timberlake. I'm talking Taylor, right? <laughs> so um, just be careful. Just be careful is all I'm saying. Like, hopefully the guy, the husband gets it. Because it's even worse if he doesn't get it. Hopefully he gets it. You've known each other since kindergarten. It's probably not irreparable. But if you torpedo their party for an outside chance of a New Year's Eve hookup, that bill can come due a lot later. And then you kind of become the guy that like only cares about getting laid. And you know, guess what happens? Domesticated wives aren't super into having that guy around all the time. <laughs> Uh, I think that the the part that's uh, the monkey wrench in this whole thing, if you will, is that you're all 25, which is why the husband should get this. Uh, I think I think any whether you're married with a house or not, you should know that 25 year old dudes sometimes fuck up the plans. They don't show up. They say they're going to whatever. I'm wondering, is this a dinner party or is this a party? Like, is everyone having a, a place setting at this table? Like, I I just feels I like it. It. I feel like I feel like you, the guy who's the emailer, who I don't know if you're single or not. I forget what's going on here, but I feel like you should be able to listen. I'm just reading the tea leaves here. The group chat is a little bit strange as far as who's not answering and who's asking things. Um, just calling you and not, not giving you a chance to like not text me back. Uh, is there a chance that these that some of these dudes, either me included or not, could invite a couple of people if you vet them because people are really confused. There's some dudes that are really nervous. They're not going to have a chance at a New Year's Eve kiss. So I'm just wondering what's going on. You should be able to call this guy and get him alone in a room that's maybe not with his wife and just see what he even thinks about this before before even the word gets out. You should be able to do that. And then the other thing is you are 25. I think you just have to know some dudes will say they're coming to a thing for a full year and then they just won't do it. And they'll have some sort of excuse about why it didn't happen. It's happened to me with a couple people. It is what it is. You got to just remember like, oh, we're shitheads, right? Well, at least some of us are. We're in the shithead uh, threshold of, of time. So I think I think maybe if if you get the answer back that no, it's not happening, it's going to be very good. We've got napkin rings at the table and it's all very nice and it's going to be the way I want it. I think maybe some of those guys uh, either show up and leave early or, or show up late, which probably wouldn't happen. You probably, the only move would be for them to show up and leave early if they still feel like they need to make this commitment. But I think, these dudes, if they don't have a chance at a New Year's Eve kiss, they're going to find a way to get somewhere where they where they are. So I just think it would be good to like get a guy on the phone. Maybe you, since you're the emailer one who's put the most thought into it, maybe you have to make the call. Just ask the host, uh, your buddy, uh, what he thinks about this. If they've known each other since they were five, there should be some, like you already know, 
first of all. Okay. But here's what you can't do. Don't do a, yeah, well, maybe we'll probably stop by or whatever. Right. Don't do one of those. Don't do one of those. Tell them now. Tell them today. Right. Hey, we're doing this other thing. Sorry. We'll make it up to you. Actually have a plan on how you're going to make it up. You're not. You're 25. You're not going to plan it. You will say you're going to do something. You're never going to do it. But um, I know these are still at this age. These nights are still a really, really big deal. It's just you have completely different visions and they're already going to be a little annoyed that you pulled out to do this other thing. They shouldn't be totally blown away. Like you said, hopefully the husband gets it in this case. Um, but sometimes, again, if the husband is less understanding, that can be like even worse. You know, I don't know. Uh, I just spent can't too much, imagine. We spent too much time on it. It was well, it was well written and it started moving in a couple of different pieces. Spent so much time on this. I, everybody knows what's going to happen on this one. Everybody already knows. Like it's already, it's don't look back, man. Can't do, <laughs> do what you're going to do. Don't look. It's back. already happened. And we're not even to the weekend yet. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks to Kyle and Allison for her amazing work, <laughs> booking the show and getting us Sarah Walsh. Incredible, incredible get. Uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you on Friday. Ryan Russell podcast. Ryan Russell podcast.